0: Welcome to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast, the podcast that shows you how to build a world-class service business from the dirt up. And now your host, Mark Stoner.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Stoner, and I'm excited to be back. I've been gone for a while. I took a little hiatus and had a lot of traveling those of you that are my friends on facebook probably saw lots of trips and uh, some of those happened because of covid uh i had several things lined up that got postponed because of covid one of them was the the big motorcycle trip i took over to europe and then another one was when we went back to poland and croatia that had been postponed for a few years. But in between then, I uh, I got to go to uh, Hawaii and did a scuba dive trip with some friends. And I um, also went to an IndyCar race here in Nashville. But uh, it's good to be back, it, it was a good refresher. I, You know, sometimes you kind of start to feel overwhelmed with a lot of things. And it was a good mental break for me to get some clarity and have more things to talk about. So. Thank you for, uh, you know, giving me the time. Uh, I don't think I had any complaints and I, in fact, I had a couple of people say, yeah, man, take your time. Don't worry about it. And, uh, I appreciate that. But I want to talk about just, you know, the fact of being able to, you know, to, people talk about being rich and being wealthy and, and, uh, you know, what that is to everybody is different. And, you know, some people were saying, yeah, it must be nice to be rich on this, on this trip. And, um, you know what 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 really rich is is having control of your time, like you know, when you own your time and and my friend uh, Nathan Henry, who listens to the show and and he he tells me when he's caught up and stuff, he sent me that link the other day about, you know, you're really rich when you own your time. and you know, at this stage of my life I do own my time. and but it's also not a, it wasn't by accident and it wasn't just, by luck or by happenstance. It was really a planned event and also it was a lot of work and it was, uh, you know, it was part of the deal. And I'm glad it's working out at 55 and not 65, but if I would've known what I was doing, I probably could've done it when I was 45 and, and maybe even 40 and had that control. I'm not saying be on vacation all the time, because the truth is, I got a little tired of vacationing now that sounds terrible but it wasn't the vacations themselves they were all amazing but one after another after another starts to make you feel a little bit unproductive so it helped me also understand that that's not what i what that's not where i get fulfillment Uh, but i can tell you this when you start taking a lot of vacations you probably plan the next vacation before you leave the one you're on but i want to talk really quickly about what i did because It was a lifelong goal. The very first thing I went to do was I always wanted to ride a motorcycle all over Europe. And, you know, that's a pretty broad statement. But, you know, I was in um, BNI, Business Network International, for many years, and my guys are still in that program. But I, uh, for years, when you'd have to, when I'd have to do a presentation, it says, you know, what do you want? What's a big goal that you have or something that nobody knows? And, I always said I wanna ride a motorcycle all over Europe. That was a big goal for me. And that was that was on my bucket list. And even before I had any money, before I could afford to do it, before I even knew how to do it, it was on my list i wanted to do that and man we planned it in 2019 to go in 2020 and everybody knows what happened and then we we're going to go in 21 and it was still shut down and so we got to go in 2022 and i'll tell you it was the most epic motorcycle experience of my life i It was one day after another of absolutely amazing sights, and I've ridden motorcycles a long time, and I love riding in the United States, and there's some beautiful rides, but there's not anything that I've ever ridden in that are compared to the Alps, the Austrian and Swiss and Italian Alps. That was another level of rides and and heights and things that I'd never done, so you know, it starts off, we have a flight that we have to go, and I'm supposed to arrive a day before the before the motorcycle ride starts. And, you know, to give you time, you know, relax from the long journey and, you know, just get ready for the ride the next day. And so, but guess what didn't happen? Connecting flights. We flew to D.C., our flight was late. We missed our connecting flight to Amsterdam and that would have already or gone on over to Munich, I should say. And so uh, they put us up and we got into a next flight that was going to arrive at about 7.15 a.m. on that Monday, which the tour was leaving at 9 a.m. Not only that, you have to go through customs. And then you also had a 30-minute to hour bus ride to where the motorcycle ride was starting. Now, our motorcycles were already there. They were already ready to go. They, they, they brought them over. And I had a specific motorcycle that I rented that was not in their, their uh, stable. They they got one from me for from Croatia to bring over there because... I had I was bringing my wife, and that was I needed a slightly more comfortable bike than they were. You know, one you know the single guys were riding. So anyway, we arrive, and uh, that 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 morning, and instead of taking the bus that we had tickets for, I just grabbed a taxi to make it more direct. And I roll in right at nine o'clock and, and everybody's standing outside. They knew what was happening, but they were standing outside and ready to, uh, ready to go. And we had flown all night and now I'm going to have to ride a motorcycle all day. And so, man, we stripped the clothes down, uh, got everything out of our suitcases. That we had, and we always took too much because we didn't know there wasn't gonna be any support vehicles. So we had to haul everything we were gonna have for two people for two weeks on this motorcycle. And so we stripped down as much as you know, put packed the bags and and got everything going. And they were the guys were super nice. And I had just met some of the Americans. I only knew one of the guys, and so that was a trip of seven people. And we, uh, man, and man, about nine thirty or quarter till ten, just a little bit late, we took off. And I'm halfway smoked as I'm starting to, you know, learn a new motorcycle. I got my wife on the back, learning a whole new country, learning riding with guys I don't know. And, and here we go. And it starts to rain. And uh, so then we're riding for about an hour. And I realized I'd forgot my passport back in Munich. We were headed to Austria and I'm riding and my brain is going, oh my God, I don't know any of these guys. They all waited for me. And now my passport is in my backpack that I left back at the hotel because we left all of our luggage in the hotel for two weeks. They had it prearranged. So I knew at that point, but by the time we stopped, I was going to have to tell them that I left my passport. And I was probably going to have to ride back another hour and then back another hour to catch up to where we were and then try to catch them. And I was already absolutely ex- exhausted. So we pulled over to the first place and I got with these tour guides and I said, hey, uh, I got some bad news. He said, what? He said, I said, I've left my passport. We're going to go to four countries, right? We're going to Switzerland. or Well, we're starting in Germany, Austria, Italy, Switzerland. There's no way I'm gonna be traveling four countries and not have a passport. But the the tour guide said, uh, we'll be okay. I said, are you serious? And he said, yeah, we'll be okay. He said, we'll make it work. I said, man, we can. I can go back. I'll just catch up with you. Tell me where you are and I'll catch up with you. He goes, no we'll be okay. So sure enough, we went the whole trip. I didn't, we just use my ID a couple times. It got sticky, but they, you know, they, I actually had a picture of my uh, passport, I think that had to use one place, but anyway. And, and so we got going and, you know, over the 15 days, we became really good friends with everybody. Our tour guides were amazing every day was absolutely epic and then i also had my 55th birthday in italy and they celebrated the hotel had a thing for me and they when they when they celebrate your birthday over in europe it's happened a couple times for us they shut all the lights out in the restaurant so everybody knows that you're it's your birthday and uh, i'd never seen that before you know you have people come out and sing happy birthday but in europe they shut the lights down and so it was really something um we didn't really. I didn't have any issues. Uh, I had one kind of a bumped a, a little street pole and kind of bumped my sidebag one time when we were trying to pull out in traffic, but not bad. But one of our other guys wreck, wrecked the motorcycle three times, or dropped it basically. Wrecked it once, ran into another motorcyclist, but you know dropped it real bad on one of those high alpine runs and uh, dropped it another time in a parking lot, and he was really getting shaken up and. I saw him go from very confident rider to very scared rider in just a couple of days. But that was super fun. We come back from that. I'm home for a couple of days. And then we go on a scuba trip to Hawaii. And it was with my daughter, my wife, uh, Jim Brewer, a couple other chimney guys. And um, we scuba dive for a whole week. And the highlight of it was a night dive with manta rays. And... We were told that it'd probably be like, you know, one or two manta rays. And you're lucky if you see, you know, if you see some, that's good. And if you don't see any, that can happen. But man, we got down there and we were 35 feet down. There's this big ring you dive down into, a big rock ring. And they put all these lights out and there's these... Uh, All the plankton come out to eat, you know, and then here come the manta rays. And I'll never forget the first one that flew by out of the darkness, this big 11 foot to 12 foot manta just comes cruising right over top of all this, just right in the middle of the lights. And I go, oh, my gosh. And then he and then he was gone. And then nothing for a while. And then he came another one, came back, and another one. So it was two. And then a third one. And then it was just and then nothing for like 10 minutes. And then I don't know if they rang the dinner bell or what they did, but man, 15 10 to 8 to 12 12 foot manta rays just started cruising all around us, just they were everywhere. They were chest bumping. They would go up to each other and kind of like chest bump and flip over backwards. It was unreal. I was, I just couldn't believe what I was witnessing under the water. And when we got done, the dive people said, man, that was one of the best manta ray dives we have ever had. And I got super lucky. And so, um, that was awesome. And so the last last vacation story was we came back, we went to an car race the next day. I had tickets to uh, to the RPM club at the Indy race. And that was the best networking thing I have ever done. Because I we'd come in the tent, sit down, somebody sit across from me, hey, what do you do? And they were some high level person, like this was a VIP tent, so they were pretty expensive tickets. But I met the guy who owned the race. I met guys who own airlines. I'm, I, I, you know, a uh, private charter. I met guys who have inventions from Vanderbilt for robotic surgery. I met, uh, and a guy that I'm going to have on the, um, on the, podcast coming up, uh, Garnet, uh, He uh, buys and sells businesses, and so he's going to be very young guy, but super smart. So man, it was an amazing event. Then we go to Poland. Uh, I am the delegate for the U.S. chimney industry. Um, there are a few of us, and because I'm a past president for Chimney Safety Institute of America, one of the benefits you get is you get to be the representative over for the European Chimney Suite Federation Congress. So I've done it, probably this is my sixth or seventh time, and we go over there to Poland. And the people were so nice. Now, Poland, it seemed like every story, my wife went on a tour of the city. And as they were telling stories about the city, it seemed like every story ended. And then the Russians burned it down. And one of the aha moments for me was how much of that, you know, the Russia was Russian controlled till the early 90s. But here was the other wow factor. They hate the Russians more than they hated the Nazis. And I didn't realize that, you know, we really hate the Nazis. They hate the Russians, you know, because of what they they would burn and pillage and just wreck everything when, and, um, and the way they controlled everything. The Nazis, they said, I mean, clearly, if you were Jewish, you it didn't matter. But... If you were not Jewish, they were respectful, they took care of things, they they were not nice. I'm not saying that, but for an occupying force, the Russians were way more mean to the people as far as, um, you know, just living with them. And again, I am not making any excuses, and I'm not saying they, the Nazis were the worst because of how many people they killed. But when you go back and look at the Russians, the Russians actually killed a lot more under Stalin than, than uh, Hitler did. But still, all of it's terrible— but uh, you can still see remnants and you can you can hear it in their voices how bad that the worn torn part of it is and we were right next to Ukraine and there was a lot of Ukraine stuff going on but nothing bad and then we went to Croatia for a few days of vacation then i promise you you should go to you should go to croatia that the people were so nice they all speak english the cost is relatively the same as the dollar or cheaper uh, absolutely beautiful on the Adriatic Sea. Just amazing. If you ever watch Game of Thrones, a lot of the scenes are filmed there. And uh, we just had an amazing time. Then we went over to Montenegro and saw that. And, uh, you know, that was part of, uh, you know, Croatia and Montenegro were part of Yugoslavia. And, you know, whenever I think of Yugoslavia, I thought of, you know, just cold and terrible and people all forlorn and just trudging around, man, they're partying down, down on the South, but I know it's a lot better since Croatia became its own country and they got a lot better, but it's absolutely beautiful area and I highly recommend it. So that's a quick catch up of a uh, half the show of, of catching up from where I've been. I think one of the things too is if you're in business Or even in life, man, make sure you are doing things to enjoy it. Make sure you are going and seeing this planet and seeing people and seeing different cultures. And every time I go away, it makes me appreciate the United States more every single time. A lot of these countries are great and they have a lot of amazing things. But I can tell you as on whole on on the, the, you know, the life and things like that and opportunity You cannot, it's hard to beat the United States of America. Lastly, on this last part on the trip, I should have mentioned this before when we were in Poland. uh, I can tell you this, this green energy thing that everybody's switching to electric and cutting off all fossil fuels has got Europe in an absolute Panic attack. They've they've been the leaders, especially Germany, been the leaders on green. Get rid of fossil fuels. Get go all green, all green, everything green. So, get rid of gas. Get rid of natural gas. Get rid of coal. Get rid of nuclear. And guess what? They are absolutely panicked. They they have. Since they cut off the Nord Stream two pipe, or since the, the, they bought into Nord Stream two, and now and now Hitler, Hitler, uh, uh, Putin is doing what he's doing. They have no power, and they are they're opening up coal plants, they're opening up everything. All the chimney sweeps over there are now starting to learn how to work on heat pumps. Heat pumps. The what are the best uh, chimney industries in the world is going to be crushed, and now they're all switching to heat pump guys. I mean, how terrible and also how irresponsible of them. To think that we, th- to think that we can turn the temperature down on this Earth is absolutely wrong. We cannot. We we cannot do it. You can spend all this money at it, and it's just like COVID. They're always going to say, "Well, if we would have done more, we could have actually saved it." I don't think so. I think that big red ball in the sky and the way this dynamic planet heats and cools is the main reason we're having a heating area right now because. In a dynamic planet, you could only go Hotter or colder, that it doesn't stay static. And we think for some reason, if we throw a bunch of money and change everything, that and change some CO two emissions, that this planet is going to cool down. I can tell you this: we are about to ruin ourselves. The thing that brought more people in out of poverty and into a good way of living, we're going to trash it in, in in case in in the thought that we've got a better solution. And man, we don't right now. I, I'm all for cleaner. I'm all for less plastics. I'm I'm all for that, but not at the sacrifice of how many, what it's done for us as a country. So I'm going off on a little bit of rift. I wanted to talk about something else, but whatever you can do to fight this green energy mandate in your local thing, you must do. And I think I'll do a video on it itself, but Let me spend the last few minutes talking about what my topic really was. And it was uh, to dance, you know, work with the willing, you know, dance with those who want to dance. And, um, you know, I I really picked that topic because, uh, you know, a lot of times when... I'm gone or I'm doing other things, sometimes the business, you know, can have hiccups. Sometimes the business can have, if I'm gone, sometimes there's a void of leadership and there can be some head banging. But, um, you know, I put a couple of my guys in charge and they, they've put some really big plans in place. Well, they weren't really popular, uh, but we had to do them. And some of the guys are threatening to not quit, but, you know, they're pushing back a lot. And, um, I ran into one of my favorite leadership authors is Cy Wakeman, C Y W A K E M A N. It's a lady. And in fact, I mentioned her in my book. Her, she's got a great book called reality based leadership. And if you haven't read it, I highly recommend it, but I wanted to have you hear this TikTok. Uh, that she that she uh, did on uh, kind of her kids and, and, and but I, this absolutely applies to to business as well. So I'm going um, to very clear that here it is only work with the willing
0: even at home. Now, there was a point in my life where I had four sons and four stepsons, all within 10 years of age. We lived on a lake. We all loved wakeboarding. The minute the ice was out of the lake outside of Omaha, Nebraska, the boat was out, and the Sunday drill began. Here's the drill. I announced that I will take people wakeboarding, and the process is pretty standard. You've got 15 minutes to get water, sunscreen, a towel, and your wetsuit, still pretty cold, on, and get your butt in the boat. Here's how much effort I give on Sunday wakeboarding. I get myself something to drink, I grab the boat keys, and I walk down to the dock, start the boat, and drive away. I'm looking for a good Sunday. Seven of the eight kids got their sunscreen, got their water, got their towels, put on the wetsuits, went down to the boat. One of the kids was still with me in the kitchen and started to ask me some questions. Mom, I'm trying to decide what I want to go. And I'm just wondering, are we going to eat your crappy bologna sandwiches? Or are we going to stop at Subway? Now, I am a good leader. I'm like, no, we're eating bologna sandwiches. Can we listen to my playlist? Can we listen to Wiz Khalifa? Or Do we have to listen to your music? And like it's tradition we listen to barry manilow every sunday he went on and on and i felt like i was doing a great job saying no 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 boy i was really parenting until i looked down into the boat and saw seven kids sweating in their wetsuits that weren't yet wet going like this and i realized i had been a horrible parent I immediately said to my son, I am sorry. I've done a horrible job parenting you right now. If you choose to be a parent, don't do this. I needed to have said, I'm sorry, 15 minutes are up. I'm going to go work with the willing, the ones in the boat, and you may not come. You didn't make the time limit. Next week, I made the call and seven kids did the drill, went to the boat. I was better, got the keys, drove off, phone rang. The one son said, mom, where are you? I said, we're out in the boat, it's a beautiful day. He said, well, I wanted to go wakeboarding. I said, well, where are you? He goes, well, I'm in the kitchen. I go, oh, it's gonna be so hard to wakeboard there. Fast forward to the third Sunday. Guess whose butt was in the boat or not no longer my decision. What I started to do is set the standards and work with the willing, the people that stepped up, instead of trying to negotiate with the unwilling and make compromises and beg them, if I take you to Subway, will you come? Because it inconvenienced the seven people sweating in their wetsuits suits who had complied. And it sent the wrong message as a parent.
1: Isn't that good? I mean, that is so good. Uh, I've always enjoyed her. And, but that just really like stuck with me as far as, you know, those, the people who in my company that are, I want to work with the willing. And so do you, right? So do you. You want to work with those who are willing to, uh, you know, I, I thought it was funny that she's like, I'm sorry I have been a bad parent. Or I could say, I'm sorry I've been a bad leader. I've let you try to grab hold of the reins and steer us in a way. And the majority of the people have gone that way. And now you're sticking out here like a sore thumb. And, uh, you know, I've had that and I've, I've bent sometimes to that one that was a sore thumb. If he was like a high player, um, you know, one of my senior people and I kind of bend and I'm becoming a lot less, a lot less flexible. I'm like, I'm sorry. I, I understand that we're changing, I understand you need to understand that we're always going to be changing. And I understand, too, that there's going to be a time when you say, you know, this isn't the same company that I it used to be or I liked it better back when. And I will always say, you're right. You're 100 percent right. It is different. It's going to be different. You would also be upset if it never changed. And there's no right amount of change. And that kind of goes back to my world climate problem. There's no right amount of change. If you get too hot, we can actually deal with that better than if it gets too cold. Far more people die from cold than they die from from heat. And we have all the things in, in place to deal with a changing planet. And I know I'm mixing these two up, but it's the same for business, right? This is a dynamic business. This is a dynamic uh, changing business. And especially now with as crazy as the As the economy is and all the expenses and all the inputs in my business that are going up so much every day, you know, I tell the guys, and it used to be that I'd get price increases about once a year from, you know, from my vendors and gas is relatively stable. And so I could raise my prices once a year and I could give everybody a raise. I could give myself a raise and we would be doing a little bit better, you know. Well, that's not the case anymore. I, I was, you know, with gas, what it was doing, and then also all the price increases every week from my vendors, my insurance, and my gasoline, and all my inputs, all my costs of goods, all my, everybody, uh, and then the delays of getting job done and the cash crunch that it causes, but you have all this cash out there and you can't get paid on it, caused tremendous Upheaval, and so we were changing prices, changing processes, changing commission structures all the time. And you know, everybody gets change weary. But my point is, I get it. If you can't work with us anymore uh, thank you for your time i totally understand go find something that makes you happy i'm going to work with those who are still have some some stretch left in the rubber band still some more capacity to move forward and then if you don't you need to move on i get it i'll get the next guy in at this high level that we're at now and they will have so much more capacity now that being said, sometimes, you know, somebody coming in with as fast as we run, they they have a hard time getting their foot on the merry-go-round, it's fast. But once they do, they now have capacity to go further. And I want those people around me. And I know that a lot of people can't stay that way. A lot of people, um, you know, change. they get change weary, or, you know, especially in today's market, everybody wants something better and something greater. But for me, I'm going to, um, I, I've, I've learned this, this leadership principle that, um, and, and I think it happened pretty hard for me after you know one of my guys that had been with me 10 years quit in one day. When he quit in one day, and I've talked about this in other episodes, that it really shocked my system of, who am I doing this for? Why am I doing it? Why should I? And I bent every rule for this guy. I bent all, you know, we had a job description. We had all the things that we needed to have done. And then he kind of rewrote his own job description because this is what he liked to do. And this is what he didn't want to do. And I let that happen. And he was not, he was willing to only do what he wanted to do. He was willing because he thought he knew better. He thought he knew more of what we needed than I did. And I let him... I let him do that. I believed him, again, good friend of mine, love the guy, nothing against him still. But I was wrong in the fact that I let him do that. And um, I've I've realized that I'm going to listen to people, but I'm not going to bend in that way for people when they're not doing their thing. And, and that was the big aha, is just work with the willing, uh, dance with the ones who want to dance, and if they want to sit on the sidelines or if they're not willing... I'm quick to have them go on and do something else. I I will not, I will not put up with it. I will not, I, I don't mind people complaining as long as we're having a good conversation and, and tell me, you know, why you think it is the way it is. And I'm not perfect. I don't have all the answers. And if you have a good answer that we all can agree on, but I can't change the rules for certain people because they want the rules changed for them. And, uh, you know, that's my lesson of the day, but, my second lesson today is go out there and have fun. Nothing, uh, nothing is worth missing this life. Uh, as I get older, I, I've decided to argue less on the internet, which is something stupid anyway. I might say something that might be wise, but I'm, I'm going to be working with my friends. I'm going to be working with the people who want to work with me. Uh, I'm going to be talking to the people who want to talk to me and not fighting. You know, I'm done with that game. It doesn't get you anywhere. It just leaves you stressed. So guys, it's good to be back. I feel energized. Uh, I got back in the gym today for those uh, of you that I talked about getting back in. I got back today and started working out lightly and uh, I'm excited to get back at it. So with that being said, I hope you guys are doing well and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks
0: for listening to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or any place
1: that you listen to podcasts. More information is also available at markstoner.com.